Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show, though this may be the one and only time I admit to maybe not being particularly excited about today's topic of conversation. Anyone who's listened to me for a while or consumed any of my work on any level about this team knows that I hate this topic of conversation, largely because my take on this whole 100 loss thing, which of course we have to talk about today because it's Rocky's history and it is a thing. And now that it's actually happened, it's almost like I'd like to address this once and once only type of situation. But to begin, let me explain why this conversation might feel a little bit disjointed. Because for me, if, you, if you're this is your first time hearing me talk about this, then maybe you'll be surprised to hear, but most people probably know, I don't think that it matters. I don't think that fundamentally there's a massive difference between 98 losses and 100 losses, between 97 losses and 103 losses, right? To me, those things don't really matter. And the way this conversation is often had, a lot of different narratives get wrapped up in it. And I've seen that even just today that trying to respond to some of this on Twitter, it blossoms out into five or six or seven different arguments about where the team is, uh, what Dick Monfort has said versus what he's done, what Bill Schmidt has said versus what he's done, anger over Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story versus trying to assess what the team is currently doing. How much do you trust what they're currently doing? Like, there's so many things that get wrapped up into the conversation. And I thought about coming on here and doing a whole like classic DC like point counterpoint. Here are the arguments I see out there, and here's why I disagree with them, and here's my evidence, and going you know back to my old high school speech and debate days, and and that whole deal, like my time in politics and stuff. And it's like instead of doing that, why don't I just do my best to explain? my position as best I can in the situation. Maybe anyone who's listening in for the first time, and I do hope there are some people who are maybe looking for a different take on this whole 100 loss thing. I was recently posting something new to our YouTube page. Cheap plug, everyone please go and subscribe. I'm very proud of what we've been doing there. And the very first Q&A podcast that Kim and I did this season, like day one, I don't even think spring training had started yet. It was like pitchers and catchers were reporting. And the first question was about, you know, what are realistic expectations for the Rockies this season? And I think that particular phrase, realistic expectations, is where I find myself having a very different experience with this whole 100 loss thing than a lot of other people do. In my view... And I know that this is where I, I just separate from a lot of different people. You you have to be able to separate the conversation of lol Rockies, Monfort bad, organization bad, most of the things they do bad, here's all of the historical evidence, bad, bad, bad. Like, yes, we all know. No one's denying that, right? And And people oftentimes think if you happen to have a different outlook on the future that you're denying the past. And that's not... What's going on here? No one's doing that at all. I've documented all of it. I've 
asked the questions, I've said the things, I've made the demands for the sale of the team, the whole nine yards, right? But Dick Monfort's not going to sell the team, and he's certainly not going to sell the team because you or I tell him to do so. There's also got to be at some point an earnest conversation about the job that Bill Schmidt is the GM who has made the vast majority of the baseball decisions since taking over. What was, what did he inherit? And what was a reasonable expectation for how quickly he'd be able to turn this team around? And then how has he done on the individual moves? And then the, I suppose the collective, right? So that's why coming into the year, I expected it, of course, to be a very bad season. And with bad injury luck, which they absolutely did have, and I'm not hashing all that out here today, conversation for another time, it got even worse. The thing for me is this. I've been covering this team for 11 years. I've been watching them for 30. There are lots of bad Rocky seasons, anywhere from 87 to 98 losses before this, right? that weren't really in service to anything. They were just extraordinarily disappointing seasons that weren't building towards something. They were in no part by design. Now, this is where I think I've had the the, the one thing that I will address, because I've had this disagreement now, not with people on Twitter, but with people like in real life and other people in the media that I respect. This notion that the rebuild that clearly did finally take place this year. No one's denying that now, right? The whether it's a I'll get to the difference between a rebuild and a tank here in just a minute but the trading of five veteran contracts in exchange for seven arms was very clearly something that the Rockies hadn't done in the past and when you go and look at a lot of the people who are making a big deal about 100 losses right now I said I wouldn't be too combative I'll do my best here they were the exact same ones telling you right before the deadline that the Rockies weren't going to do that Right. So there's been a bit of not accepting that they did. Now, whether that's the new mindset, they're going to fully commit to it for as long as other people had. Again, that's another conversation. The fact of the matter is that Bill Schmidt has for the last year done things differently, including recognize that the season wasn't going his way and purposefully moving out players who probably, in my view, would have kept them from losing 100 games, particularly, I think, having the veteran relievers of Brad Hand and Pierce Johnson around, even though they had struggled at times, they had also had quite a bit of success here. And I think having those guys, as you see, the ups and downs of the bullpen, right? Jake Bird and Justin Lawrence have been phenomenal early in the season, not so great now. Typically that it goes up and down like that. And I do think if they'd have held on to those veterans, they probably lose 98 games and that's worse, right? Whether you agree with that assessment or not, if that eventuality had happened, if they'd held on to Crone and Gritchick and Hand and and um, Johnson and so on and only lost 98 games, that would be worse than what we're talking about now, which is that They came out, and by the way, Bill Schmidt was also very clear in the press conference about what they were doing, which was that they needed to replenish the arms in the farm system, something he admitted to and has started to address, and I don't think he's there yet, and I don't think he's done yet, but getting those seven players was a big deal and also a recognition that, yes, he's got his eyes on the correct target, right? But beyond that, saying that it was time to open up playing time for younger players and admit where they were in the season. Now, of course, he didn't use the word rebuild and the Rockies are never going to do that. That's instructions from on high. 
But if you were going to demand, as I did, as a lot of other people did, that the Rockies recognize the moment and commit to at least a short-term rebuild and building around this younger era of players, the Nolan Jones, Ezekiel Tovars, you know, eventually as they've come up, Hunter Goodman, Lauris Montero, uh, Brenton Doyle, and so on, and more that they've got coming up now in the minors, that's what they've clearly committed to. And I think, of course, we need to see it play out a bit more. This offseason is going to be a big and important one. But to me, there's a bit of a hypocrisy in suggesting for all these years that one of the... And I, I agree that for all these years, one of the biggest problems with the Rockies is that they haven't, in the short term... I understand some people are for this big tanking thing, and I'll get to that in a second. But to me, at the very least, you could look at several times where... In the middle of any given season, if they would have just said, yeah, it's not going to happen this year, but we can rebuild for immediately next season. There have been times like that uh, in the past. I, I think back to particularly 13 and 14. There were some times in there they could have flipped some guys and maybe preserved the Cargo and Tulo era, made it work, right? We all know there were, were ways they could have preserved the Arenado story Blackman era and just didn't end up doing it, right? not recognizing where they were at certain points uh, in their in their window. At the very least, you've got to give them credit for having done that here. And the fact that it also happened to lead to, you know, these the the record number of losses or the 100 losses to then step aside from what they've been doing for these last couple of years, the farm system has taken a massive leap forward as they've acquired players like Jones and graduated players like Tovar and and Goodman and all to just ignore all of that and say, well, triple digit magical number and you were, you know, five or six losses worse than a lot of people thought you were going to be anyway, considering everything that's gone on this year. To me, that's just symbolism mattering more than the practicality, the pragmatism of what's going on right now. What should matter the most is essentially, how does the roster stand? Right, the the entirety of it, not just the forty man, the entire from the the number one guy who's making the most money, which I guess is Chris Bryant, or if you want to think of it, the number one guy who's putting up the most value for your club right now, which would be Nolan Jones, all the way down through the very last guy on the rookie ball team, which I just now remembered is not <laughs> a thing anymore, on the lowest A ball team, right? And in that regard, the Rockies have been improving and taking drastic step forward, steps forward since Bill Schmidt became the GM. Has he completely turned the mess that he inherited around? Absolutely not. Has he made a number of mistakes in doing so? Yes. The John Gray thing was a fiasco. Uh, quite frankly, he should have committed to this whole rebuild a season earlier by trading Crone and Gritchick and Bard. And yes, that's all true. And those particular critiques are absolutely 100% true. But for a guy who is a third-year GM who inherited a nightmare of a disaster and the angriest fan base in baseball outside of the Oakland A's and media that absolutely will not, under any circumstances, not only give the team any benefit of the doubt, but they won't even give them the benefit of the facts half of the time. When you look at, yeah, okay, he shouldn't have extended Crone. They should have traded Crone and Bard and those guys. And, and yes, they should have committed to this a little earlier. They could have gotten this process started earlier. Yes. 
look at the roster where it is now. They're absolutely loaded with position player talent. They've got a lot of intriguing arms out there in the bullpen, including at the minor league level. Of course, we all know, and if you've been listening to this and if you've been watching the team, which I know there's a lot of people who are really riling things up today are people that have not actually been watching the team, which I do think is a key difference to note. The starting pitching is in shambles. We've been talking about it for a lot of the year. I've written about it. It doesn't mean that it stays that way forever. Now, I went. I came out with a prediction yesterday saying, I think the Rockies make the postseason in 2025. I think we are right now looking at a situation that reminds me very much of where the team was in 2005 and reminds me very much of where the team was in 2015. Interesting sort of symmetry we've got going on here, right? In 2005... They had Todd Helton and a bunch of players they literally referred to as the toddlers. They were bad. And they had been bad for a decade. The all the vestiges of like the bombers were gone. Larry Walker was gone just the season before in 2004. It was Helton and a bunch of randos and no sign of hope. No belief that that team was going anywhere. Two years later, they played in the World Series and went on a little three-year run where they were pretty good for most of it, right? Back in the postseason in 2009, should have been in 2010, if not for a late-season collapse, built almost entirely around a group of prospects that graduated up out of their minors. Guys like Ubaldo Jimenez, Franklin Morales, Jeff Francis, Matt Holliday, Garrett Atkins, Brad Hopp. Right. Fast forward to 2015. 2015 is 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 really the interesting one here because I th- I think that's the one where you've got the most similarities to how it feels now, where the team had just traded Troy Tulowitzki. Right again, you're talking about a lot of years of them just being bad and with hope that they'd be good. And, and again, that was an era where they never seemed to kind of recognize that you can't just build the entire team around a couple of guys and not have any depth and, and hope those guys are going to carry you. And then those two guys kept getting hurt and the whole thing would fall in, into shambles every year, despite high, if not expectations, certainly possibilities at times. Like, like as I've talked about before this year, the 2014 Rockies club had the best offense in franchise history. But no pitching, right? You can't build a a squad that way. So in 15, you've got all that terrible pitching, you know, and you trade Troy Tulowitzki. Nobody thought in that moment, yeah, two years from now, the Rockies are going to go on a run where they're going to be in the postseason in back-to-back years for the first time in franchise history. But they were, and once again, it was in large part thanks to mostly the pitchers that they graduated that time. John Gray, Kyle Freeland, Armand Marquez, Antonio Sensatella, all coming up and doing big things for them during that time. Of course, David Dahl, Ryan McMahon, uh, Ryan Altapia making their presence a little bit on the position player side. But even then, and this is more of the parallel now, what I see right now out of guys like Nolan Jones, Ezekiel Tovar, and Brenton Doyle, Reminds me very much of a 2014 Rockies team, 2014-2015. Bad teams, awful teams, just like you're watching right here, right now. Maybe not 
quite as bad because, again, they stuck to certain veterans and had some stars playing out a little bit. But Nolan Arenado had not yet become for sure a super-duper star. On defense, he was, but he wasn't quite there yet. He was becoming that. That is, I think, your parallel to Nolan Jones a little bit. Charlie Blackman and Trevor Story start emerging. Those are your, you know, Ezekiel Tovars. Uh, I think Hunter Goodman, Brenton Doyle, although it's going to be mostly with defense. His, but if you're looking just in terms of the wins above replacement, it's very similar to me to that position player group that was coalescing in 14, 15, and 16 around the Rockies while they were still having really bad seasons. But they were getting that group of core position players together. What was missing was the pitching. A lot of that pitching that came up were guys that were drafted right around it just before there, like maybe a Chase Dollander or a Gabriel Hughes for your modern comparisons. Now, obviously, you'd, you'd like a healthy season out of Hughes, but he was really on the fast track. And as I've said before, they, they've got to get a lot more there. They've got to acquire some stuff. They, they can't do it exactly the same way because they still don't quite have the farm system depth there when it comes to the starting pitching. But that overall feel of... They've got this core of position players coming together. And despite the fact that in 2016, which is what I expect next year to be very similar to, right? 16 was the year where Trevor Story should have been rookie of the year if he hadn't gotten hurt. And they kind of hung around 500 all year, but they were also patching things together. Like the bullpen was falling apart and they had to pull Carlos Estevez essentially straight from double A into the closer role. Like it was wildness, right? There were all kinds of things going on. Mark Reynolds got hurt, a, a key injury to Reynolds and Story basically torpedoed the season at the end of the year. But in 16, they hung around 500 for a lot of the year, ended up falling off pretty hard at the end. But they made this big jump forward because they had a lot more talent. It was also just very young and inexperienced talent. And so when those close games on the season, as we've seen a bit this year, you end up losing a lot of those close games. That's what I expect next year, 2024, to look a lot like. There's going to be improvement. They're, they might even hang around 500 for the first couple of months. And of course, a lot of the narratives will be, they always start good. And it's like, it, ignore all of that, right? They're, they're going to play better baseball. I've even, as I've put some of this stuff out there, had some of the more optimistic among you ask me, why not even next year? If I, like a lot of stuff really would have to come together. But we've seen that before in the game of baseball. It really can be you know, remarkable if Freeland has a huge year and they go out and acquire pitching. But I, I really do think they should be playing for 2025. I think you've got to accept a big step forward next year. But again, that, that goes back to the original thing. Are people going to have reasonable expectations? And on some level, I don't think it matters. I think for better or worse, and in one of the rare instances, I actually think it's for better right now. The Rockies being insular, just they're not hearing all of this noise and they're sticking to the plan that they're on. That's at least what I expect. Um, I wouldn't be just surprised to see if there are some changes. And I think there probably should be one. And there's another conversation for uh, some time in the next couple of days to be had about Bud Black in particular. That's kind of a different element to all of this and, and how much are they embracing a youth movement and is he the right guy for that and and how do you pull the most out of that but then on the flip side who better to teach the next class of young pitchers whoever they're going to be you're going to need those guys to get the most out of him and didn't he kind of prove in 17 and 18 he's the guy to do that so there's a lot of conversation to have there around bud black which i understand and that's a complicated one so again let's dive deeper into that later 
But ultimately, I believe this. If you are recognizing the reality of the strategy available to the Rockies coming into this year, they've executed about as well as they could have. The Jerks and Profar thing was poorly done from beginning to end. They should have played a Lauris Montero quite a bit more. Beyond that, they've done not only well, but considerably differently than they have in years past. Of course, there is still room to grow. And as I said, they can torpedo a lot of this with a really bad offseason. If they go out and sign a couple of really bad contracts and go, okay, we're good again. And like, that's not the way to go. And I really hope that they do commit to the slow burn on this, that whatever pitching they acquire and they need to acquire pitching is young, long-term cost controlled, whether that's prospect or early year pitching, that's what they need to be in the business of doing. Now, if they decide to go on a blitz and try to trade a little bit of like young position player depth out of the minors because they think, hey, our position players at the majors are arriving quicker and better than we think, and Drew Romo's going to be there next year, and Veen and Fernandez are going to be there next year, and you're all in on Tovar and Jones and Montero and Doyle all getting better, and you just think you got to go and get the pitching now. Again, as long as it's long-term cost-controlled, go for it and just be okay with a year of young players and probably Charlie Blackman hanging out and doing their thing. And if it goes their way, good, great. But as we've seen, again, it's it's kind of like the Baltimore Orioles have done over the last two years, right? They That was sort of them last year. And it was a lot of fun. Like, oh, man, are they going to do this thing? And then it kind of falls apart because you're not quite ready and you're not quite used to it yet. And then you take that next big step forward. That's what I think is absolutely on the plate for the Rock, the way they've been doing things. And so that's why there's a part of me that just has a hard time with this conversation where people just look in, they see, oh, 100 losses, worst season in franchise history, fire everybody, get rid of everybody, they're clearly not doing anything right. When, to some extent, at least in my mind, and I get why people reject this, but the 100 losses was at least in part due to them finally making the correct strategic decision embracing where they were at in the season and giving an inordinate amount of playing time to guys who, like Michael Tolia and Elaris Montero, who were striking out at like 45% and batting under 200 for a while. The fact that they've just left Brenton Doyle in the starting lineup all season, despite the fact that he has been maybe the worst qualified hitter in baseball, right? These are commitments that they've made over the course of the season that I don't think they would have in other times. Does that equate to a full-on tank where you're purposefully bad the way the Houston Astros were for three seasons in a row and you lose 100 games three seasons in a row? No, and as I've said before, I don't think the Rockies are ever going to do that. But it is a rebuild by definition when you trade out all of those veteran players, when you commit to young guys, and when you play them through their struggles, which includes Justin Lawrence and Jake Bird, who have blown a lot of games in September, that, again, I believe if you were given a lot of those to more veteran players like Brad Hand and Pierce Johnson, the Rockies probably would have picked up maybe legitimately like 10 more wins this month. Like it, They've been in a lot of these games and have blown them right at the very end. But I think that is a microcosm of exactly what I'm talking about. I think 
Hand and Johnson give you a better chance, probably because of their experience, to win those games. And if you've done that, you block vital experience for Jake Bird and Justin Lawrence, who are going to learn from blowing these games now. And blowing these games now means, yeah, losing 100 in a season. But it also means that next year and the year after, those guys will have been there before and be better off for it. So I get it. A lot of people are angry. Everyone has a right to be angry, especially at the way this team has been going for the last several years. But I just wanted to do my best to explain why to me, and I fully understand why if you don't buy this, but why to me 100 losses is not only not a bad thing, not a, not a major like thing to, to make sure that heads are rolling over, but ultimately a sign that they finally embraced the proper strategy, at least for now. And I very much intend to hold them account to continuing to do so. If they bail on it, I'll be right there to say, well, you guys, you didn't do it full on. You, you made a half measure, right? But if they continue to commit to playing these young players and graduating more young players, then I think you've got to keep giving them credit for doing so. And I do think that just with how things are going, we are about to see a massive turnaround. So I think that's probably another big difference that a lot of people just don't see any possibility. You see a hundred losses and you go, well, they're going to be terrible forever. But again, I, I would just challenge each one of these people. How did you feel in 1993 when they were an expansion team? A lot of people are like, I was a child. Same. I was five or something. But in 1993, expansion team puts up one of the worst seasons in franchise history. Two years later in the postseason. 2005, as I said, Todd Helton and a bunch of randos. Awful year. Two years later, in the World Series. 2015, they trade Troy Tulowitzki. They've got cargo and a bunch of guys. One of the worst pitching staffs, actually the worst pitching staff in the history of the franchise in 2014. Just a couple of years later, back-to-back postseason runs. It can happen. It almost always happens because of an injection of talent from the farm system. The Rockies seem to have recognized that on some level and embraced it for the moment. It's important to press them to continue to embrace it and hope that they don't screw it up on the other end like they have almost every other single time they've done this. Again, another conversation from another time of, you know, some people want to jump right to that. But yeah, what about after they do all that and then they trade Nolan Jones because he gets too expensive and starts making demands like man let's cross that bridge in five years when we come to it for now let's look at what's on the table and the possible avenues for the way that this team can get better and i think when you're taking a true assessment of the roster not an assessment of ownership or your assessment of the team over the entire history of their existence when you take a look at the roster i think it's very clear there have been massive improvements And even more massive improvements are on their way. Let's see what happens next. But I, for one, am going to commit (laughs) to not, in my view, overblowing what is ultimately secondary and symbolic in triple-digit wins. As I've said often before, all I care about is as long as they stay in that position to get the number one overall draft pick so they can inject even more talent into this this farm system. And for the love of God, as my cat says, spend it on 
pitching. So thank you all for listening into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, or at the very least, it didn't make you mad. <laughs> I hope you will listen to all of the content at Mile High Sports on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. Of course, check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe there totally for free. As I said earlier, very proud of the video content we've been doing this year. And check out all the written content at milehighsports.com. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you remain absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will remain absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.